Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. We're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Welcome to the session. I'm your host, Justin Crosley. As always, back in the studio today. It's a rainy day in California, which is rare. So, good time to be in the studio. Uh, we've got a great show for you today. Now, bear with me. You got Believe it or not, even though this topic is going to sound like I don't have a great show for you today, I feel bad for CPAs, Lou. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> you too. have this, right? Like, uh, <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, what Lou does is not exciting. Yep, but I'm yep. actually excited about this show. So t- I've got my friend Lou Catalano from Mun CPAs in the studio today. What's up? And we're going to be talking about brewery taxes. Uh, in my case, uh, uh, taproom taxes. Um, yep. And then we're going to talk about some accounting practices and things like that. And the reason I'm sort of making fun of it, too, is it's not a show that I ever thought I would would be doing. And <laughs> it's because I'm kind of a before when it comes to numbers. It's not a language that yeah, I speak yeah. very well. But I met Lou uh, early on in the in the pandemic, and uh, you've been so incredibly helpful since then that it I, I, I've since learned the importance of a quality CPA. <laughs> and this is not an infomercial. Lou is not paying me. Um, it's really based on my experience working with you and how 
things have really changed for me by working with a pro like you. Awesome, um, man. So I'm not only thankful for, for what you've done, um, but it did kind of open my eyes to things that I actually care about. I didn't know I cared about <laughs> yeah. it, right? Well, I got I to gotta say, uh, it's a real confidence booster to have to be caveated for five minutes. No, 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 seriously. <laughs> yeah. No, guys, it's going to be great. Yeah, it's going right. to be great. Lou's great. No, trust me. You're, you, I know you're bored already, but just totally. stay with me. So stay, yeah. hang in I, there with I me. I appreciate <laughs> Good point. Good point. <laughs> well, no, I appreciate it, man. I'm su- super excited to be here, and we love this industry. We love working with with folks in this industry. So it's it's fun to get to be able to share a little bit of uh, information out there. So appreciate it. Perfect. Well, we're gonna dive into a whole bunch of it. First, um, I want to say thanks to More Beer, our sponsor for today's show. They bring you this show and every show that we do. Go over to morebeer.com and check them out. Uh, maybe grab yourself some Viking Malt. I just had a More Beer collaboration beer they did with Altamont Brewing Company one of my favorites and uh, they used all Viking malt fantastic clear IPA go check them out at morebeer.com and thank them for uh, supporting the show all these years um, okay so Lou we're going to dive right into it but I do want to talk a little bit about your your history and so uh, interesting how I met you I had done a couple of pandemic shows like early on yeah and it, I think it was like me and Nico uh, yeah, from 2 so, yep. and you know back then we're all our mind is like scrambled with what the hell is happening with the world and you reached out to me afterward and you were like hey there was some good topics you had in there if you need any you just were being kind if you need any help or assistance yeah. you know let me know and I think very quickly like a couple weeks later I was like oh Lou I need a lot of help and assistance <laughs> Uh, so yeah. that's how we met. Yeah. Uh, how long have you been a CPA? Uh, we, I've been doing this for a little more than a decade. Okay. So, yeah. Got it. Where'd you go to school? Just out uh, of curiosity. You know, I started at uh, University of Hawaii, down at Manoa. Nice. And uh, I finished up here in Sac State. I'm, I'm from California, so okay. finished up in this area. And Munn CPAs is your firm yep. that you're a partner at. Correct. Right? Yep. And yep. where are you guys based out of? We're based uh, out of Sacramento area. So my office is in Roseville, which is just a little suburb of, of Sacramento. We've got locations in Glendale, one in Hawaii, actually up in uh, South Lake area as well. So we're, I like to say we're on the larger end of small. Okay, got it. Yeah. And are you a home brewer or you're just into beer? Like, why did you start listening to the show? Yeah, no, that's exactly it. I, I started home brewing, I like uh, 2010, something like that. So okay. a little bit before I, I was doing a different job at the time that was... Uh, mind-numbingly boring and I so I started finding podcasts I found your podcast I found homebrewing about that time as well nice and uh, you know so you know fast forward a few years I you know doing the CPA thing starting to work on building my own book of business and, and the clients and one of the things I love about what I do is you know I get to be pretty entrepreneurial in who I work with hmm. and so it's like hey, man if I got, I'm, I'm gonna spend all day working with my clients. Yeah. I'm going to pick people who are doing cool things in a cool industry. And you know, obviously beer is cool and people like drinking beer, but, but brewers in general, they're really passionate. And I know you know this about yeah. their community, yeah. about their process, their artisanal, all these things that are the type of people I like being around. So it was, it was a very natural fit. I know a little bit about the process. Uh, right. Of course, it's also nice to have clients who can make better beer than, of course, I ever could. I yeah. know you can relate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. It's like, hey, you guys make the beer. I'll I'll take a look at the numbers and, and come buy your beer. So Perfect. that works out well. Okay. Yeah, that's it. So you still get to do what you love around people that you love. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. And yeah. I do think it's helpful in an in, in industry like ours, which also can be very artistic, right? Yeah. To have people that you can relate to, even if it's not your favorite subject, right? Like, totally. No, you know? Yeah. So yeah. J- just the fact that you're into beer, I think, probably helps people out. Yeah. And I yeah. think the, the role of accounting in general is to kind of bring order out of the chaos, right? And so mm-hmm. it kind of, kind of, so if I, if I can step alongside somebody who's really passionate, and this is very, 
I know, you know, you know, is really passionate about making great, great beer, investing in their community, all these things. And I can come si- alongside them and be like, hey, let's let's put some structure on the financials here. Yeah. Let's figure out, are you trending in the right way? Let's make some plans for the next year and the next couple of years, or at least be a person to call when you want to buy another tank. Hey, is that, is this a good move or can I afford it? Or how do we write it off? Those sorts of things. If I can come alongside and add value in that way, yeah. you know, that's a way that I get to be a part of an industry that's cool that I, that I care about. Um, and, and, and add, add a perspective that you're not getting a lot of other places. You know, when, when you're a small business owner, you kind of end up out on your own Island, right? So yep. it's like, you don't have anyone, you, you know, this, yeah. you don't have anyone to, to sit down and talk to about this kind of stuff. And so we get to be that, that for them. And, and I also think uh, certainly for me, so I was reluctant to call myself an entrepreneur for like a decade sure. after starting the Brewing Network because <laughs> I didn't think about things in those terms. Right. I, what I was thinking about was content. Yeah. I was thinking about beer. Yeah. I was thinking about being funny. I was right. thinking about how you know how do I hone in my uh, interview skills. Like mm-hmm. I was thinking about everything yeah. except for the bank account. And partly because the bank account was sucked and it was scary right, and it was right. depressing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And I didn't really grow out of that even when we did better. Right. I just started to kind of hire people to help me with it. So like I, right. I have a bookkeeper that you know that yeah. I've had for years, right? And yeah. once I did that, I, I started to become more comfortable with numbers um, because yeah. I could ask for help like you're, like you're talking about. Right. I could ask for like some points of reference because before that, you know, I'm just not the sharpest tool in the shed when it comes to business. Uh, I'm a good marketer. I'm, I'm right. pretty good at this podcasting thing. Yeah. But Do I wouldn't call while. myself a good business person, right? And so to have, uh, you know, people to bounce ideas off of. And instead right. of, I guess what I'm getting at really is a lot of my decision making would come out of thin air and it felt like magic. Like if I didn't feel it in my soul, yeah, yeah. we didn't do it. Yeah. Okay, well, that's a terrible way to run a company. <laughs> you, you can't well, have all of it, your, the feeling in your soul. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you, you have to have some tangibles here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also important though for you to focus on the craft that you're good at, right? Yeah. And then find the right people to help. But you got to have, you know, you got to have your eye. You got to know where to look. Uh, you know, you had a podcast a couple of weeks ago about somebody who didn't know what they weren't looking, wh- wh- where to look, and, right. and it cost them, right? So you got to know where to look and what to pay attention to. And that's where you know we, I love to be able to, to train people on that, and, and just to be be a part of the journey with them. But yeah, yeah but you you focus on doing this, and I'll go do this, and, and we'll we'll all be happy. Absolutely, For and sure. and some of those dollars, you know, I, I I was also always been on a on a shoestring budget, so sometimes you're reluctant to pay for these services. You know, oh, yeah. especially when you, so I kind of grew up like, figure it out and do it yourself. Like that's how my dad was, right? Oh, and I think a lot same, of, same. I think a lot of people in the beer world are like that too. Like yeah. if you start in craft beer, it's usually not because you went to Stanford and could have been a doctor. It's usually because yeah. you're a little more grassroots and like, you know, pull everything up by your bootstraps, right? Yep. Okay. Well, a problem that comes along with that is not wanting to spend a little money like where you should. Like when I finally hired yeah. a bookkeeper, yeah. you know, and she told me, she told me her monthly amount. I, of course, went, Oh God, I, I, For my, what? I can I, see the bank account <laughs> and I got my dad's voice in yep. the back of my yep. head. Okay. Shut up, dad. You're, you yep. were actually wrong about a few things. And one of those is spend money on some good resources, right? Or good people. <laughs> yep. So I, I have, I have actually, I had the same experience. I, I keep beating the same exact message into my head in areas that I'm, I'm not the expert in. Right. And the most recent one, I, I feel like I've learned the lesson, but apparently I still need to, to teach myself. Uh, this uh, this spring, high to tax season, I'm super, super busy. And I, I drive a pickup truck and the brakes start squealing. And I'm like, you know what? I, I've done brakes before. I used mm-hmm. to work on my cars, you know, when I was in college and totally broken, literally couldn't afford to pay someone to do it, right? And I'm like, I've done it. Honestly, I can do it in the garage. It'll be faster than taking it to the shop. I just do it. And, you know, long story short, of course, 
I, you know, it's a newer truck, so you can't just take the things apart. I can't just take things apart. Ends up, you know, I pull it out of the driveway. It's throwing codes. It's 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 actually capped. I have a, 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 a I have a a warning that it, it's capped at like forty three miles an hour. It won't let me go above that speed because oh. it's like in brake failure mode or something. Wow. So you know, I end up spending way more money, way more time trying to do it myself. And uh, yeah, so <laughs> I, I'm in your I'm in your same boat, man. I I keep relearning the same stupid lesson. Totally. That apparently, I can't I can't can't get to stick. Uh, the car one is still one for me too. I do yep. the same thing, and yep. then I'm like, no, dude. Yep. Just stop doing yep. this. You get into it, you're like, why? I regret this so much. And yet here I am. <laughs> yeah. And then there's the humble pie of like, okay, guys, I know you know how to do this. I know I made it worse, but here's my here's my mess. Can you please fix it? Yeah. <laughs> and don't ridicule me too much. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I'm the same. All right. So you, you get into being a CPA. You go you yeah. go you go to school for this. Yep. Um you, you also get into home brewing. But at the, and and then is that what sort of steers you toward cuz obviously breweries aren't your only clients. No. But at some point you're just thinking about like these are the people I want to work with. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, it's a great industry, you know, so we we have a pretty large a, a pretty significant footprint of breweries that we work with at this point. But yeah, it started just with that, you know what? I know how to home brew. I understand the language. I understand the process, which means I understand some of the equipment and the inventory cycles and some of those things. And so let's let's go and see what we can do here. And it's been it's been super fun. We we get to work with a ton of, ton of brewers, and it's been cool. Do they do they all try to pay you in beer first, and then they're like, <laughs> all right, we'll just send you a check. <laughs> I've had a few people come into the office with uh, with beer, yeah. which is great. You know, sure, yeah. <laughs> we've had we've had one or two meltdowns in the office over uh, over that as well. So nice. we, we try to keep that under control. But yep, yep, yep. <laughs> All right. Well, let's dive into some of the things that matter to us. Um, and I think before getting into like some tax law and some tax advantages, we should probably talk about accounting first, right? Yeah, like, man. That's the backbone. Because if the money doesn't come in, it's we're yeah. not paying taxes on it anyway. Right. <laughs> so yep. we should yep. probably figure that out first. Yeah. So I don't know. I was thinking about maybe like lose accounting. I don't know if you want to call it accounting 101 or maybe just some of your like best practices that, yeah, totally. that we could think about yeah, as, one, as a brewery. 100%. Yeah. No, it, that's exactly right. You know, about, about half of our time, maybe a little bit less than half is spent on the accounting side of it, making sure anything's are accounted for properly. Is your balance sheet tied? out does retained earnings tie these mm-hmm. sorts of things for many you know of our, our brewery clients you have a lot of partners in a partnership you've brought in a lot of investors yeah and so in that case there's even a higher level of of scrutiny or at least expectation of hey we, we want to do this right and everybody wants to do it right it's just sure I, well, I don't know what I'm doing money came in we did stuff with it you know uh, th- those sorts of things so yeah hundred percent you know we spent a lot of time on the accounting and then from there hopefully we get to a place where we're profitable we're growing you know we've been in a major growth cycle for the last decade and obviously things are a little bit different in today's they in are, today's yeah. world, maybe yeah. not quite decade, but um, you know, but but you know, the goal is to make some money here. Yeah. What do we do with that? How do we keep some of that money? Where's the wise ways to reinvest it? That kind of a stuff is what we look at for sure. Okay, excellent. So, so yeah, if you want to, you want let's do it. Yeah, right. just give us some basic like cool. you know best yeah. practices. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, when we think about when I think about accounting, you know, when we sit down with folks the first time, and this can be for for, for new breweries. I was telling you before we got on, you know, I, I've I've given talks before about hey, you survived your first few years as a brewer. Now what? You know, yeah. you, you can kind of you can come up for air a little bit and look around and say, okay, now what do we do to actually make this thing work? But but candidly, you know, with with the viewpoint we have of a lot of breweries, there are folks who have been doing this for a decade plus who still haven't quite made those leaps into you know kind of like you mentioned mm-hmm. into getting a little bit more sophisticated. So anyway, when I look at that stuff, you know, on accounting, the first thing I want to hit people on, you know, we're assuming that you've got bookkeeping happening, mm-hmm. and we're assuming that you are reconciling your bank and credit card accounts. That's that's step one. So let's just say we've all gotten there. Okay, yeah. cool. 
From there, the next thing we look at is inventory. That's really important to me. And that's a little bit counterintuitive because your, your inventory, I don't know, we're buying stuff and we're, we're making beer and whatnot. But why inventory is so important is the way accounting works. Inventory really drives what, uh, what your cost of goods sold is going to be. Okay. And I need to know what your cost of goods sold is so I can know what your gross margin is. Got it. The gross margin is basically after you spend money on all the inputs to make your product, yeah. that's labor. It's also, you know, it's your raw materials, your hops, your grain, your yeast, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, packaging obviously is a, is a big one that's yeah. growing significantly for most of us. Um, you know, the, the, the amount that's left over to cover all your overhead, that dollar amount, that's your gross margin. We want to keep a close eye on that. Yeah. You know, for a lot of folks for the last again, we'll say decade. I know, you know, it's in the last couple of years have been different, but sure. for, for the early part of the, or the, of the teens, right? The growth curve was so crazy and everybody's selling beer over their own bars. Your margins are really good. Yeah. So you don't have to pay a lot of attention to it. But as things get tighter, these are the things we really got to watch. Yeah. So my first, my partner here, no longer partners anymore, but, but Marty, and we've talked about him on the show. Yeah. Great guy, great mentor of mine too. Um, he used to say, and it just sounds like a silly statement, but it, it resonated with me here at the bar. Yeah. He just said, uh, money solves all problems. And what he was talking about is like, when I was combing over like, well, how many people came in? How many tickets did we do? What are our margins? And they were looking yeah. weird. He was like, well, if we do enough revenue, none of that matters. The True. the margin, like, right? Like that's how you fix your margin is if you can increase your, right. your rep. Now, now times are tough, right? Yeah. So it's not that easy, but yep. that still always sticks in my head no. that, yeah. because I would go like, oh, well, that's a very expensive thing to buy. Right. And you're like, but money solves all problems. If yeah. that thing that we buy brings in more revenue, yeah. then it costs nothing. Totally. You know? And I think it is easy, especially as a, you know, again, you're kind of doing this on your own. You're winging it. That, that's You're not winging it, but, you know, you're just trying to figure it out as you go. Yeah. It's very easy to focus on those costs. So I yeah. do, I definitely care about those costs and we need to control them. Yeah. And especially as you grow. And certainly if you're trying to be a production brewery, which is a very difficult, you know, tough putt in today's in today's environment but not yeah. undoable um you know those margins are extremely important but it's very easy to focus on the cost and it's like this is all great but if we grow that top line by 10 percent, all these other all these other metrics fall right into line so yes, yeah. hey maybe that's where and then you know we talked to folks about you know as as, as a little bit daunting or or uh, uh what's the word i'm looking for but uh you know doing the trivia nights yeah making sure you're doing mug club are you doing the things and i know those get boring you you, you run a bar that stuff gets it becomes a grind right yeah but you got to do it and 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 it's also very cyclical because there was a period of time when trivia was huge and yeah. then it really died yeah and i think what we're seeing is this back a bit now um you know but but that's you know are we doing the things to drive that top line because right it, but we got to be driving the top line and also, you know, are we, are we keep, keeping, keeping an eye on those margins? And, and so that's where that inventory, that's like always phase two, step two for, for the folks that we work with, okay. generally speaking, is, hey, are, wh- how good are we with inventory? And it doesn't have to be, um, I don't want to belabor it too much here, but, you know, it doesn't have to be a perpetual inventory. I don't need to know every day exactly what it went into the tank and what went into the cans and all that kegs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it can be monthly. Okay. It could even be quarterly. That's probably not enough. Some people are doing weekly, but just, are we doing it regularly or is it a, Hey, I'm going to call my guy at the end of the year and he's going to say, you know, people call me and they say, okay, well, what was your inventory this year? The number hasn't moved all year. Uh, well, I don't know. Let me go take a look out on the floor. And that's where, you know, honestly we can make it work on the tax side, Sure, but you're not able to manage your business. And that's really the purpose of those financial statements. It's not for me. It's for you to be able to manage your business. So let me ask you this then, because some people out there might be saying like, yeah, well, obviously we're going to do the inventory, right? Right. But- 
it seems to me like maybe it's the right kind of inventory too. Like, do I need to count every napkin at the hop grenade kind of <laughs> right. inventory? Or is it for me, we really just care about what I'm selling, you know, like, so when it totally. comes to, right. So, yeah. so like a napkins are just a cost of doing business. Yeah. I can't yep. sell chicken wings without napkins, right. but well, do you I care mean, you about could. my napkins? <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Do you see what I mean? so, because yeah, totally. it sounds to yeah. me like there's maybe a smart inventory that you care about. Yeah. We care, you know, you, you care most about the stuff. I, a, the highest dollar stuff okay. and the, and the stuff that is, is, um, driving your revenue the most. Okay. Uh, we also care most about the items, frankly, that aren't going to fluctuate or that are going to fluctuate more. The perfect example would be buying hops under hop contracts, right? If you're, if you got a hop contract or you're just, you're bringing in tons of hops cause you're pre-buying for the year or sometimes more than a year, right? Right. If you expense that all in one month, your, your, your metrics are thrown out, out of whack, for, not only for that whole year, but the next, cause next year I'm going to be looking at comparatives. Okay. And so some of that kind of stuff is definitely more important. Napkins, if your napkins, are, you always have two cases in the back. Candidly, I don't really. You probably should still do some sort of inventory, but candidly, I don't really care about that. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's that higher dollar stuff, and it's and it's the cyclical stuff okay. um, that really is going to drive drive what we're doing. And you'll see it because you know I, you know you've maybe looked at financial statements before. Oh, or, you know, people listening have, and they know, you know, they look at it month over month and like, man, this month I made money, this month I lost money, this month I made money, this month I lost money. Mm-hmm. Well, we get that inventory correct month over month and all of a sudden it smooths that out. I see. Because this month you bought a bunch of stuff and then the next month you sold that stuff. Okay. Well, there's a, there's a principle in accounting that's, that's, it's all about matching, right? We want to have that expense correlate with when we make the sale. Right. And that's how we know, okay, were we actually profitable here? But that's difficult to do in a brewery, right? Like because of the length of time yeah. of a product cycle, yeah. right? So I'm. We had uh, years ago. We had uh, Tony McGee in here. Yeah. Now a billionaire, uh, the founder of Lagunitas. But yeah. at the time, and he wrote a book about this. Uh, yep. He was talking about it. how difficult it is yeah. that, because you're just every dollar you make, you're just throwing it into to the next thing. Yeah, and totally. because the product cycle is what it is, like yep. a two month thing yep. between ordering and drinking, he basically was saying, "I needed to sell half of Lagunitas." Because I was tired of being broke on that product yeah, cycle. Totally. Right? So inventory matters there, too. Like, I'm going to buy it in January, but I'm not selling it till March? Yeah, yeah. And that's in, that's called the cash conversion cycle is what you're talking about. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we've, we've actually, funnily enough, yeah, I've done a talk about this a couple times, actually, as well. And, really, it's a problem of growth more than inventory, right? So as you're growing, you're spending money on the, the sales you're going to make, you know, three, four Later. months from now. Mm-hmm. But you're using profits from two months ago. So now, all of a sudden, it's six months from the time you spend a dollar till you turn it into a dollar 20 and in the meantime i got five more months worth of stuff to buy so that so that that kind of ball as it as it winds up can get uh it's a lot and that's been a struggle you know let a little bit less today because people aren't growing you know craft isn't growing like as crazy like i used to but but that that's very much a struggle and that's where you look at it i am profitable i went to see my cpa and he says we owe taxes (laughs) because we have profit but i don't have any money in the bank and that's part of you know you mentioned earlier how you know when you started the bn you didn't even want to look at your bank account part of my job is actually to move us out of watching the bank account to okay, let's actually look at the financials because the bank account is reflecting cash and cash flow, which may or may not 
correlate to profit. Eventually, it's all gonna it's all gonna normalize, right? If we You're just right, shut yeah. everything down in six months, it'll cash will equal profit. But up until that point, it's not going to. So sure. So that's kind of how that how, how that works. Okay. Yeah. And so proper inventory, at least yeah. monthly, can yeah. really help us get a picture of the business yeah. more than the bank account's going to do. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And then and then the next thing from there that we want to look at, you know, we've got that inventory. So now we've got a sense of cost of goods sold. You know, we want to look at classes. And, and classes are really, you think of them as, as revenue, revenue verticals or revenue streams. So generally speaking, we're going to be like taproom. Uh, if, if we're a pub, brew pub, we're going to have the restaurant, yeah. and then we're going to have wholesale. Okay. And we kind of want to separate those out, at least at the top line, and sometimes ideally, ideally we'd separate more, but okay. separate them out at least at the top line. A- and the reason for that is we want to track each each thing on its own, because I want to know, is, is, is the tap room carrying the restaurant? Mm. That's likely. Is the restaurant carrying the tap room? Possible. Not doesn't happen that often. Okay. Is the tap room carrying our distribution? Pretty pretty likely, but but maybe not, and ideally not. Wow. You know what I mean? And so there we then we can see that, and then we can see okay, where do we put our next dollar? And this is where you see you know a lot of breweries opening a second and third tap room. Sure. That is the most profitable. But then COVID hits and until we the pandemic deal. hits exactly, yeah. and yeah. then we got to figure out distribution. And there's other value to distribution besides just driving the, the bottom line, right? Yeah. I mean, hey, you can make money. Of course, you can make money at it, but it's it's a competitive market. It's a different business model. Sure. But it gets your name out there. It keeps product moving, which keeps product fresh, mm-hmm. all these other sort of things. Have you seen in with any of your clients where, where distribution is actually kind of a loss, but they just feel they have to do it anyway? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, unfortunately, it's just the margins are so tight. And part of it is, you know, there there are certain sizes you have to get to to justify, say, a salesperson, right? You got to be at a certain, you know, a salesperson probably is going to be about ideally about 10% of what they're bringing in is what you're paying them. Yeah. And if you're growing it, if you're, you know, you're trying to figure things out, they're also washing kegs because, you know, you're not that big. Right. The bigger folks, but the bigger folks is different because then, oh, we're trying to get into this market and you're always trying to project ahead. So, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, wholesale is a different, you know, to be a production brewery, that's a different beast. And, Absolutely, and, and to, yeah. you know, if you're over the hump now, you're cool. You can probably maintain, hopefully. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if you're not over that hump now I, or you, and not extremely well capitalized, it, seven figures capitalized, I would be time. nervous. Yeah, for okay. sure. Okay. For sure. That's good to know. Yeah. Okay. So separate out our revenue streams like that yeah. so that we have, and then just as an example, you said, you said, ideally we would separate out even more. What do you mean? Like we would look at drafts versus cans is like oh, when you separate more, like what do you, yeah, I, I meant, uh, I, you know, that's at least top line. We're yeah. separating it out. Yeah. Ideally some of the expenses below that in a, in a, in a, perfect world you know we're, we've got the top line separated out we have the cost of goods associated with it so yeah when the brewery is making beer we see well, what are that beer is selling selling on the tap room what are that beer is selling through wholesale and those those costs are, are reflected in those kind of columns those kind of verticals okay. so we can see okay our margin you know our margin through the tap room is 85 percent. our margin in wholesale is is 35 percent. got it okay both of those can work because our volume or whatever but but you want to be able to see that and if you if you're not tracking the numbers that way you can't see that sure so that, you know, you're throwing darts at a dartboard. I, I don't know. We got another account today. Cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> Great. Awesome. And Which that is, is the very small yeah. business thing to do. Totally, right. Yeah. And, and then, and sometimes it can, like I talk about how running, running a business off of feeling. Right. It can feel like things are going great. Yeah. And then you took a good, you take a good look and it's really right. not. Like, wait, where's, but where's the money? Yeah, Especially totally. if, if one revenue, the, the revenue stream that's in your face, maybe yep. your tap room, cause that's where you walk into work every day, yep. looks really good. It might be hard to see that yep. something else is doing pretty bad. Yeah. And, and also, you know, it, 
having things separated out like that gives you the opportunity to realize we got to do some price adjustments. In the last couple of years, of course, everybody's had to do significant price adjustments regularly to the point of being uncomfortable with it or deciding we're not going to do one now, even though we probably should. Um, but, sure. but having that information. And I do want to just pause for a minute and mm-hmm. caveat. You know, I think oftentimes you know, with, with accounting, accountants and, and even, you know, brewers who, who get into this kind of stuff, you get to a place where you want to get really into the weeds. And, and like you said, I want to know profitability of the six pack versus, you know, uh, growlers, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, bombers back in the day, whatever it is. And that's great. And I think there is a time and a place for that. But, but overall, like I, let's keep it I actually push my clients to have more simplicity in their financials and, okay. you know, and, and even the, 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 I call it the fantasy of like one click reporting. Like I can know exactly, you yeah. know, there are softwares that, that sell that. The problem is the, the, the struggle is not the problem. The struggle is the amount of time and energy and staff it takes to have enough information data into the system to be able to get that stuff out right. is difficult. So I always say, Hey, everything we look at, even inventory. And I would say I could make, I'd make the argument for inventory all day long, but all that kind of stuff, you know, is the information that we're gaining by adding this this extra amount of work or extra amount of detail into our financials going to allow me to make a management decision that's mm. going to affect my bottom line right. that I don't have another way of figuring out how to make. Okay. And so that's kind of always we step back with that because it's very easy to get in the weeds and then you're yeah. like, okay, well, hang on, but I got these cans and, and we've got some labels on the shelf that I don't think we're going to use anymore. Do we expense? And you know, and then, then you end up, and that is all, all that's valid. Uh, but, but let's, let's stay high level and let's just, you know, we, we make a lot of assumptions cause we have to, cause this stuff is all moving targets, right? Yeah. So that makes sense to me. And that's part of why I've been able to relate to you over the years. Cause you do right. simplify things for, for me like that. And I'm the type of person who, uh, it's not that I, that I want to care about all those details, <laughs> but I could, I can get caught in them because I feel like right. I'm supposed to, sure. and especially like. I, I think it's amplified when things aren't going well. Yeah. You yeah. know, if your tap room's kind of stagnant, if your brewery's just like right there, if you're struggling to make some of those payrolls, it's very easy to go, well, I guess we better cut Comcast. And let's no right. more, no more football in the tap room right. because that's, you yep. know, and, but all of those things are not really what matters. Yeah. And it's easy to get caught up, you know, kind of those red herrings of I'm going to chase this down. And it's good. I don't want to discount that. And we've seen a lot of that in the last year because, you know, unfortunately, it's been a harder year, right, for most for, for a lot of breweries yeah. and, and restaurants and uh, other industries, too. But, um, you know, things have just settled after COVID, right? And so it's easy to focus on those little expenses. And I, I don't want to discount that. That is important because that sure. bloat can also kill you. But, you know, really driving that top line is is going to be such a key to all this. If you've got um, limited time, resources, yeah. and energy, let's focus on the top let's line. Let's go make a dollar not, instead of saving 10 cents is my, you know. Got yeah. it. It's easy for me to sit there and say, it was, well, if this line were better, then we'd be good. I understand. <laughs> yeah. But that's yeah. Marty. That's right. Marty's voice in my head. Right. If we're yep. bringing in money, everything yep. else gets fixed. Yep. So, yep. Totally. Okay. Um, all right. So understanding um, um, our, our cogs, yeah, you're, you're, our, our inventory. Cogs, yeah. yeah cla- classes, those sorts of things. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Um, you had mentioned something to me uh, when we were kind of planning this topic um, yeah. that I need you to elaborate on, and, and that's labor. Yeah. But you said labor by revenue stream, right? right. So now most of us, okay, I'm going to say I'm going to go ahead and say all businesses have no choice but to focus pretty heavily on labor because it's our biggest expense, Yep. especially if you're in California. Right. Uh, if you're not in California right now, listener uh, who owns a brewery that's not in California, good for you. God bless you. <laughs> I envy you. Right. Godspeed. Yes. Uh, so anyhow, yeah, yeah. labor by revenue stream is something you want us to focus on. Yeah. 
yeah, talk it's, to me. Yeah, si- similar to what we what we, were, we what we were talking about with those classes, right? Is Ooh. is you know I want we want to see our labor, and but it's very common that we're just focused on hey man our the whole our our, our biweekly payroll is twenty five thousand every two weeks, or it's a hundred thousand every two weeks, or it's two thousand whatever whatever your number is. Yeah. We focus on that. Well, there's components to that, right? And so we really want to know the components. How much of that is going into producing the beer? Mm-hmm. How much of that is going to pouring the you know serving the beer? How much of that is going into you know delivery that those sorts of things if you're self-distributed right. uh, how much of that is back office right people doing the accounting those sort of things yeah and and knowing those answers again lets us know what our gross margin is and and are we making money selling this additional beer if i've got three extra people in the back running ar and eight well yeah mostly ar because i'm trying to collect because we got a thousand accounts out there yeah we realize all this wholesale all this distribution is kind of breaking even on us because once we're carrying all those right. again, we don't we don't know that until until we have that level of detail so at a minimum you know i want to see labor you know <clears throat> we can take wholesale out of it you know at a minimum, we want to see a labor breakdown between the back of the house, mm-hmm. if there's a kitchen, uh, you know, the, the the food side, yep. and then front of the house. Okay. And and the reason for that is just to see, you know, are we making money making this beer or not? And and I always tell you know our clients, there's there's different philosophies on this. And I suppose in a perfect accounting world, we'd, we'd have actual costs from the brewery running to the tap room and we'd see, okay, you know, the brewery cost, you know, a buck 35 a pint and we sold this at the, at the brew pub. But honestly, what I tell my clients is, is generally speaking, we have the brewery sell, you know, on, it's on paper, but sell to the, to the tap room okay. at wholesale. Yeah. And so that way we know is the brewery standing on its own two feet and is the tap room standing on its own two feet. The answer to that question can be no. Can be, I know we, we got to have this tap room here or, or, or the brewery isn't surviving, but at least we know. And then we yeah. can decide. Same with a restaurant. You know, we're losing money on the restaurant, but it's probably bringing in 30% more people and they're ordering two more beers and the brewery's killing it. We don't care. Right. So, but, but now you know. But right? now you know. And that makes sense. And it sounds like, uh, especially if you're small, it sounds like you almost want to fight back about that. Like, Lou, I'm not going to sell myself beer. That's stupid. It, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's in the back room. I'm going to move it to the front yeah. room. Yeah. But you're saying you're really missing a component there if you don't. We're just tracking the cost. Yeah. yeah. It's not, yeah. we're not, we're not selling beer. Obviously, you know, we'd be, there'd be filing. <laughs> There's TTB rules and totally, all totally. sales tax. We're not doing any of that. But, but it's like a ledger. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a, it's, we're keeping track of it and yeah. we're transferring it over. So it's really, you know, if you, if you think of the P&L, mm-hmm. instead of there just being one column, there's two columns, right? Yeah. And then they, they total up to the, to the same. And so we're moving it from column A to column B in that cost of goods category okay. to, to correlate with column B's revenue that is being driven by people coming in. Okay. And so again, it's all about matching. It's about matching the expense with the sale and the time it happens. And then also the kind of the revenue stream it happens okay. on the accounting side. Got it. Now this, we didn't talk about this ahead of time. There's just questions that come up for me over the years. There's yep. also yep. different types of accounting, right? Like sure. accrual, yeah. versus cash. Yep. Now this is somewhere that Marty and my <laughs> management team never could get on the same page about. <laughs> yeah. Marty's idea, I think it was a little bit more like yours to be honest, where he's like it doesn't matter. Right. Um but my manager felt that cash was not a good way for him to mm-hmm. decide how sales were, if yeah. we need to do more promotions, because he wasn't getting a good picture on the spot. Right. And that's part of the cycle that we talked about, right? Yep. Where you're totally. spending uh, two months ago to collect today. Totally. Yep. So Marty always had an issue with anything but cash because it didn't reflect the business right. anyway. Yeah, yeah. My manager hated that because he's like, well, then how can I do any projections in the tap room? Right. So can we talk about that yeah. a little? Yeah, totally, totally. So, uh, 
Yeah, it, you know, it comes back to this this principle in accounting of matching, right? Which we're trying to match, <clears throat> excuse me, income and expenses. Yeah. To be to be honest, most of what we've been talking about now is actually something called like a modified accrual basis accounting, which essentially is cash basis, but we add inventory to it. Okay. And so, uh, for me, the inventory drives the cost of goods. Those are the biggest. Those are the biggest drivers, right? Sure. So, in accrual basis accounting, essentially, you're recognizing revenue when it's earned. And you're recognizing expenses when they're incurred. Okay. And so the easy example is rent. We're, you know, our rent, we're paying, we're we're incurring, we're incurring December's rent now. We might not pay that until January. On accrual basis accounting, we actually book it into December. Got it. Cash basis, we book it when the cash, when the check clears, right? Or at least when we cut the check. And so here with accrual basis, we're pulling it back and then we're associating the rent that we pay, that we paid this period with the revenue that came in this period. Yes. You know, uh, when you have a tap room, the revenue side accrual basis doesn't really mean anything because it's you know it's just in the door or it's not. But when you're in wholesaler distribution or something like that, or even maybe you do some catering, yep. you know, on the on the restaurant side or or whatever it is, you do some contract brewing. Um, the revenue is earned when you send out the invoice. Okay, they they owe you the money now, right? Yeah, and so that's when we pick it up as revenue. They may not pay you for 60 days. Yeah. <laughs> they may not pay you ever. <laughs> right. But on the on books, the, you got paid. On the book, it's books, it's revenue when it happens. Yeah. And the reason for that is I sold it and then I put, picked up the cost of goods sold. It's, that's why it's called cost of goods sold. It's not called cost of goods produced. Right. It's cost of goods sold. What did I sell? How much did it cost me to sell what I sold? And then what's left over to cover all the other expenses and all the other expenses could also be accrued on true accrual. We do all sorts of, of accruals. You know, you'll pick up what's the, what's the liability for employees PTO. Do I have a prepaid for insurance? Cause you know, you pay six months at a time. We don't monkey with that with most of our folks. Okay. Some folks do. And when you get to a point where you're needing reviewed financials or audited financials, there can be times when you have to do that. You'll hear the term gap accounting. Yeah. G-A-A-P is what it is. Generally accepted accounting principles. And most people are not doing gap. Full gap is actually very cumbersome. Okay. You know, real large companies are doing it right. Okay. Um, so for most of our folks, it, you, you, we are going to be on this kind of modified accrual basis, which is going to be really cash basis, but we're going to recognize revenue, you know, when, when invoiced and we're going to recognize, uh, uh, cost of goods, you know, on when we pay, keep, keeping an eye on that inventory, because again, that inventory is very important. Okay. All right. That makes sense. And I think Marty would agree with you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's call him. Anything, yeah. Anything yeah. else on the uh, best practices accounting uh, before we before we take a break? Those those are the biggies, man. Those yeah, are the I think, right you know, there. if yeah. we're talking about hot hot button items, there's always a lot of questions that come up, but those are the big things. You know, I'll just I'll just finish it with this. Like I said, you know, we I like to keep things simple with folks. Yes. You know, we do some KPI reporting for some of our folks, and you can get really far into the weeds on that stuff and see margins for forty five thousand things. Honestly, I think, you know, most of us can keep in our head three things. So it's like, hey, let's target three things. You know, let's target our gross margin. You know, our, our, you know, if we're talking about the restaurant, food costs and labor costs. Moving yeah. on. You know what I mean? These kinds of things. Because the rest of it is important and I don't want to discount it. But we got to we got to focus in, on the low hanging fruit, and so let's and pick as a you get things. better, you can move on to the totally. Others. Yeah. yeah, once you kind of get dialed here, you get your team trained, your team dialed in. Yeah, then you move on to other things. But you know, we we try to keep it fairly simple. Okay. All right. We are speaking with Lou Catalano from Mun CPAs. You can go to muncpas.com to learn more. Muncpas.com. And you're listening to the session. We'll be right back. The leader in affordable, high-quality kegerators is here. Introducing Comos, the kegerator designed with serious beer drinkers in mind. 
It features an all stainless steel draft tower, a major upgrade over traditional chrome plated brass towers, and Comos keeps your new tower cold with their air cooled tower fan, wrapping your beer lines in frigid coolness. Your beer is poured from innovative forward sealing faucets that don't leak, so they stay cleaner for longer. Dual gas inlets on the rear of the fridge allow you to run both CO2 and nitrogen gas. Serve your beer with CO2, serve your kegged wine, or even cocktails with nitrogen. The digital temperature display has the largest range available, allowing you to use the Comos Kegerator for fermentation if you need to. And now Comos Kegerators ship with duo-tight draft fittings for that click-to-connect assembly we've all dreamed of. Buy direct from ComosDraft.com and receive free shipping on your order. That's K-O-M-O-S Draft.com. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Their website features real-time inventory, which means if you can put it in your cart, they can guarantee it'll ship the same day by 4 p.m. on weekdays. Want easy and simple electric brewing? Check out the new Series 2 Mash and Boil, featuring an elevated grain basket so you don't have to calculate sparge water. Williams also features the full Kegland line, everything from Brewzilla to Maltzilla and a huge selection of duo-tight fittings. Looking for a kegerator? Look no further than the Kegland Series X and Plus kegerators, which feature 4 and 8 keg capacity in a compact footprint. And free shipping to the lower 48. Interested in distilling? Look up their proven Williams American bourbon and brandy kits, as well as complete distilling equipment packages and conversion kits for popular systems like the Mash and Boil, Anvil, and the Grainfather. Check them out today. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse their vast selection. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We're still speaking with Lou Catalano from Mun CPAs, M-U-N-C-P-A-S.com. You can go check it out. Contact him if you're a, a brewery in the area or uh, probably even out of the area. He'd give you some advice if you want to yeah, reach out. Uh, all right. So we were talking about accounting practices um, and we're going to move into taxes. Yes. But speaking about inventory reminded me of something that that came up again recently. I did learn this years ago. It frustrated me then and it, and it frustrates me now. <laughs> but my GM was asking me about it and I I didn't I couldn't quite give him the answer other than I, I knew I was right. And that is this. <laughs> we just bought a bunch of inventory in this case in the form of t-shirts and hats. Yeah. Because we wanted people to be able to do Christmas shopping. Yep. Um, and that's something that I failed at in past years here at the Grenade where we just didn't really plan for that. The problem with it is let's just throw out a number. I buy, let's call it $5,000 worth of merchandise. Yep. Well, if I only sell $500 of that, I have a tax burden of $4,500 worth of inventory. Right? And and this is what I need you to help explain, especially right. if I'm saying it wrong. Because my GM was saying like, well, it's a li- why is that an asset? It's a, like a liability. We had to pay for it. Yeah. And, and I was like, well, it's a catch-22 here. We need the inventory because I need stuff to sell. But because we're going to have a bunch left over on December 31st, we're going to somehow pay taxes on it as well. Right. Can you help me with this problem? Not, not fixing yeah. it, but understanding <laughs> sure. it is what I mean. So are you telling me I need to buy $4,500 <laughs> worth of shirts? Is yeah, that, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, a lot of shirts, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I'll just say as a quick side note, um, that was really wise to, to buy the inventory. And that's something I've been talking to a lot of our clients about. You know, um, man, merchandise, I think for a lot of folks, is a surprisingly high percentage of, of sales. And I don't mean 
twenty percent, but yeah. it's more you, you expect it's kind of going to be nominal. And we see for a lot of our folks, especially if they're doing a good job of refreshing, right. you know, making something exciting and interesting when people are coming in the door. Um, certainly around this time of year, people are gift shopping and that kind of stuff. It's more meaningful. So having having enough on the shelf and you know having stuff that people are excited about and interested in is a meaningful revenue driver. Sure, you know what I mean. And it's it, but you can tie up cash. So you know ultimately there could potentially be some like there's something called a 571L. There's some property tax the, the stuff that they could they could come into play. But okay. ultimately, I think what you're getting at is, look, man, we bought $5,000 worth of inventory. We sold 500. We got 4,500 on the books. Mm-hmm. That's really, you spent that money, right? So that, that cash is gone, right? but it's not an expense for tax purposes. And so it's almost like you used pre-tax or you know, after-tax money to buy it. Okay. Now, next year, when you sell all that inventory, the cash, you already, there, you already went, the cash already left. And so then we get the expense. Yeah. And so as you write that inventory down, you you get the expense so for tax purposes that helps you out got it um you know there's generally a little bit of wiggle room with that particularly with with merch well re- really with anything you know we have shrinkage and other things sure so at the end of the year you kind of you, you look to tie that out and and sometimes you know you're able to pull it down which helps you for tax purposes or up but yeah it really it comes back to that that idea of 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 cash flow versus versus profit, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it just was. It, I couldn't explain it just the yeah. right way, even though yep. I have an understanding of it. Right, right. Yep. So totally. Um, okay, so why don't we talk about some other tax stuff now? Uh, hopefully, most most brewery owners uh, uh, have the a tax. two that are still awake. Yeah, yeah they have, <laughs> have a tax person. I highly recommend this, right. even if you think you're good at it. I think having someone else look at things, and yeah. that's some of the stuff that you've brought up uh, for me sure. uh, over the years, but also yeah. for today's show. Yeah. Some stuff that we might not think about, might not understand that yeah. really a tax professional does. Right. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk about some of those things. Uh, yeah. Like I. A lifesaver for me, and yes. this is probably low-hanging fruit for our listeners, but the ERC credit. Yeah. What does that stand for again? Yeah, employee retention credit. Employee retention credit, yeah. which uh, I retained my employees, uh, which I was pretty <laughs> proud of and, yeah. pretty, and pretty stoked. Yeah. And then you you handled it for me, so I don't know much right. more about it other than that I got a credit. Okay, And it cool. was a lifesaver in yeah. 20, I, I, I think it was 22 that you got it for me, maybe yeah. yeah, probably 21, 22. Uh, maybe it's spread out a little through. bit. Yeah. Um, but that's all I really know about it. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Well, so that's part of the uh, you know the COVID relief. I won't belabor it too much because I think most people have probably dealt with it. Yeah. But you know, when you and I started talking the most was right actually before I think the PPP loans came out, which was yeah. the very first, if you remember, I'm sure you do, but you know, you remember we got those those $1,000 EIDL grants yeah. and, then the, and then the loans became available and then the PPP. And actually my first uh, my first ever webinar was on PPP and, and, you, and I, you and I connected over some of that. That kind of stuff. Yep. And so there were two rounds of those. And at the time, they also introduced this ERC, the Employee Retention Credit. Okay. And at, and at the time, it was kind of an either or. Uh, you take the PPP or you take the ERC. Ah. PPP was a forgivable loan, generally better. We told, told most people to take that. Yeah. Well, in December of 2020, they updated the laws and they said, well, you know, we're actually going to let you take both. Nice. So you can go back and take a look at that. And we're going to extend the program into 2021 and we're going to make the qualification criteria. Um, more generous, easier to qualify for ERC. And we're going to make the credit a lot bigger for 21. So that turned out great. So for for pretty much all of our breweries in California, we're able to qualify at least through 615. There are two real qualification criteria. One is a reduction in revenue 
Mm. And that was the original. Actually, both were, were there. And then the second was this, if you were subjected to a full or partial uh, closure due to a government order due to COVID. Yeah. So bars and restaurants, you know, breweries, super easy. We were, you know, we were out to go only, outdoor only, 50% capacity, all that stuff qualifies. So, okay. so that's how we're able to qualify. There are other things out there. I do want to caveat, there's a lot of kind of charlatans out there hawking ERC to anybody. This is who, my next question for you. I was going to okay. let you finish and then oh, okay. I have a question about yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll let you, yeah, we'll let you ask. So that's what the ERC was. And so, you know, it was a, it was a really great credit. If you're a brewery who hasn't taken it, I will say you, with almost no exceptions, qualify for something likely. If you had payroll during yeah. that time period and you haven't taken it, you know, reach out to somebody to check in on it. A lot of folks have, we do have to pick it up as income. You do need to pick it up. It's actually a reduction in expense. Um, but, but definitely something worth looking at it for us, uh, aside from the PPP, uh, what ended up being a grant instead, right. Uh, it was the it was like the second largest check we received. Right. Yeah. During no, they the, they became was, very large for a lot of folks. It was it was yeah. kind of almost surprisingly large, and and particularly with with anybody you know, so any of our tap rooms or restaurants or things like that that have tipped employees, mm. you actually could calculate the ERC credit based off of uh, based off of the tips that were reported. So the so full wage. Yeah. Yeah. So you're getting a credit for for cash that your you know your customers gave your employees. You're getting a credit right. for it, and you know it's going. Obviously, we know it's going back to the. It went the, right the, back into back the business. Back yeah. into the business, not like which was their point anyway. That's that why they the did point. it. That's yeah. what it's called the employee retention credit. Yeah. So yeah, I'm one of the. I I do say this from time to time, but between the PPP and the ERC credit, yeah, I always joke like you're not going to find me complaining about the government. <laughs> Talk to me again in two years right. when they've pissed me off again. Forget about it. Yeah. But yeah. until then, yeah. I, I I really felt the and certainly in my case the programs they created not only worked they yeah. got to me in a timely manner yeah. and they were spent exactly how they intended them to be because sure. I wanted to stay open sure. I wanted to survive sure. <laughs> right so yeah. uh, anyway yeah. I know this is not quite the the tax conversation but I was a very thankful person yeah. and not a person that you I wasn't really complaining about how the government yeah. screwed this up yeah I, I would say you know Obviously, there were plenty of mistakes that, that that were made, but when you look back to like the the, the crash in '08 and things like that, I think they did a good job of getting money into the right hands, yeah, uh, as quickly as possible. Sure. And of course, when you're moving that quickly, you know things are going to go great. Of course, there's obviously a lot of fraud that happened, and that's just that's the reality. And of they it. knew they're by the way smart enough to know that was going to happen. Sure. They probably sure. factored that into the math before they ever did it, right? Like yeah. smarter people than me, you know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I just th- I do think yeah. on the whole, could we have done some other things different? Of course, in retrospect, I think, and even maybe not, maybe in the moment, you could have figured out some. Th- yeah. Certainly, there are ways it could have been less complicated from from yes. where I sit. Of yeah. course, uh, you know, the burden on those of us who are having to report it is pretty pretty onerous. But yeah, uh, but by and large, I I, I have to agree. Yeah. Well, yeah. there were times where you were like, you you can do this, Justin. <laughs> if you go look, and I and I would go look, and I'd be like. <laughs> no, you know, fuck this, Lou. You're doing it. I can't. I, I'm not going to figure this one out. Yeah, man. Yeah. I tell you, my partners and I all have a little bit of PTSD from that time period. Just I, I know I all, all the business owners do. But we were just on the phone. You know, we're all at home, and, and immediately, you know, you shut down. Of course, everybody's home, and and we're all we're on the phone twelve hours a day, just talking clients, it's having the same conversation. Yeah. You know, forty times a day, and, and helping and trying, and, and also learning on the fly. I mean, there were times I was giving webinars like on on PPP. Yeah. And the rules were changing as I'm giving the webinar. I have one <laughs> right. of my partners text. 
texting me like, no, no, that changed. I'm, well, I, they're not going to do about it now. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it was a weird time for all of us, of course. I'm happy to be be through it. But, you know, there's still some stuff out there that people need to, to pay attention to. There's also, again, you know, uh, there's some bad actors out there that are giving bad advice. Yes. And, um, and, and, and the IRS is attempting to crack down on it, although it's, it appears most of what they're cracking down on, unfortunately, is actually international fraud, which is literally just... Interesting other governments come in and saying, well, hey, this is a, <laughs> wow. we'll go ahead and fill out some forms. No problem. It appears to be what a lot of it is. So. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Well, l- last question then on, on the ERC though, yeah. that you brought up too is, so I still get multiple mailers a week yeah. and at least two or three phone calls, messages left oh, yeah. on my phone yep. of people offering me the ERC. Yep. They've, I'll just like in, in quotation marks, uh, we've reviewed your account. Yeah, we've reviewed your file. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. what? Yep. yep. Uh, charlatans or? De- I mean, definitely. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Okay. I've gotten some of the wording on, on some of them is really funny. You know, some of yes. <laughs> there was one. By the way, like, I'm apparently owed something like $2 million yeah, in ERC. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you just say yes to all of them and just see how yeah. it goes. I don't know. I just, they, they all said I qualified. Yeah. yeah. So no, it, you know, I think we knew we jumped the shark when you started seeing advertisements uh, during the Super Bowl for it. Right. I mean, this yeah. has been a major, major, major uh, gold rush in some ways, okay. which is unfortunate because, you know, it, it helped keep a lot of businesses afloat and it helped keep, it did help people and still does help keep people employed. So it's important stuff. If you, you know, I I would encourage folks who, you know, legitimately qualify, don't be scared away by some of the stuff you're hearing. Okay. Um, There's also, Hey man, if you think you, you know, you got, you got taken by one of these, there are actually programs IRS has put in place where you can kind of come in and you can, you can retract your application and you can do some things. If you feel like, you know what, I I probably got swindled here. I want to, I want to come, come, come about again. Most of our breweries, you definitely qualify. I can't can't be that absolute, but there's a very high likelihood. You know, you qualify through six fifteen of twenty one at a minimum. And and really, any qualified licensed CPA is going to know about this and be able to help you do it. Well, I don't have to yeah. listen to the mailer that says I'm going to get no, two million you dollars. You don't 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 respond to the mailers. Yeah, yeah. 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 So they'll yeah. They don't all do it, but plenty of them do, and everybody at least knows about it. Yeah, you know there are there are there are folks who, especially early on, there were there were some folks in our industry who were saying, you know, telling their clients, no, you don't qualify because yeah. they didn't want to do the legwork to to figure it out or whatever. You know what I mean? Sure. So you know it does. So you know it, it, there's a there's a balance to be struck for sure. Okay. Um, but there's definitely a lot out there. Don't don't respond to the text messages. Okay. All right. What are some other tax advantages or things we should know about. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when we, when we sit down and and talk with folks, you know, some of the first stuff we talk about is, uh, is, you know, entity structure and making sure we have the right, right entity type set up. And Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. that's a lot of what we do. You know, we talk, talk through that kind of stuff. Like I said, you know, the accounting side of it that we just talked about, it's probably, you know, 40% of our job and the other 60% is really that strategic tax planning and advising. Hopefully that's because we, we get to a place where we're profitable and many breweries have been profitable for a very long time and still are, you know, even today, things are things are a little tighter today but you know still are today yeah um so you know making sure we have the right entity set up there's there's a lot of different considerations there sure um you know oftentimes we have an investor pool and so we've got those folks to to be aware of and and make sure we're, we're taken care of oftentimes we also see you know we own the bit we own the land as well as the building okay and so there's there's structures to be to be had there there's there's rents to be charged and and some planning around that sort of stuff got it and also just rules to make sure you're following you know you you can't just do whatever you want right so we want to make sure you know half of my job is is the peace of mind you know giving people the peace of mind that we know the stuff is being done right sure and the other half is 
you know, let's save you some money so that, you know, you can invest in your kid's college and right. and your retirement, those kind of things. So that's been a good, like, I think I'm a good example of this uh, okay. because I have two companies that essentially exist in the same building. I've yeah. got the Brewing Network, which, as you and I know, is a is a sole proprietor. Sure. And then we've got the Hop Grenade, where I have all the partners, and mm-hmm. that's an LLC in my case. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you know, off the re- we, we I won't give all, the, um, all of my personal details. Yeah, what but, else do you want me to share? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you and I are discussing that right now. Right. Off, off air about what we might do there, uh, but but that's a good example about how like you know maybe the Brewing Network has rent to pay to the Hop Grenade because sure. uh, the Hop Grenade's on the lease, but the Brewing Network rents this studio space, and right. so that's the entity stuff that you're really talking about mm-hmm. and making sure yeah. that each one is the right way to do it. Yep. But you're talking about it not from a liability standpoint; you're talking about it from a tax liability standpoint. Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Every entity has a slightly different tax implications. Yeah. Okay. A lot of them are similar, right? A partnership and an S corporation are going to be fairly similar. An LLC okay. uh, actually for federal tax purposes doesn't exist. So it's going to be uh, one of another type of entity. It's going to be a sole proprietorship or a partnership yeah, yeah, okay. or an S corporation or whatever it is. We also have some C corporations, particularly people put, took advantage of a program where you were able to take money out of your retirement account, like your 401k. Oh, and yeah. you can go, you can use that money to, to as seed money for your own business. Okay. Really cool. Yeah. The problem is you have to set it up as a C corporation Generally speaking, C corporations are going to be the most heavily taxed. Okay, and so we have to figure out how do we how do we navigate that, and how do we some. T- in, in most cases, we try to figure out you you start it that way, and then and then after a couple of years, you, we're figuring out okay, how do we unwind that? We had the capital influx that we needed. Now we got the business. Can we unwind this piece of it? Right. Yeah. Okay. And so that's some higher level strategy that generally is a couple you know takes a couple of uh, of years to to get through. Yeah. So it's a lot about sitting down and talking about what's your what's our end goal here. Yeah. And then how do we do this in a way that's not going to cost you a whole bunch of tax. Because these are where, in some ways, it seems esoteric, but in other ways, it's actually uh, these are where they're, they're real high consequence, right? If you if you, if you screw up in one of these areas, all of a sudden, you know, you're getting taxed on income you never saw, or right. you know, we've got a, a negative capital account and we switched, and now you know these, these sort of you, you made a distribution out of a C corp. Now we've got dual taxation, those sort of things. Got it. Well, so what I've experienced over the years is one thing I was smart enough to do, even though I I haven't always had a dedicated CPA, is I would always ask about these things that I don't know. Because I definitely was taught... You don't fuck with the IRS. It's the <laughs> yeah. only people you can't fuck with. Right. Right. So uh, I'll get to my point here. And, and that <laughs> is for years and years and years, other small businesses about my size, which is I'm a small, small business, would be, they would say, I don't know why you're a sole proprietorship. You just become an S corp or this other corp and you'll, right. and then you won't pay any taxes. <laughs> yeah. And I was like. That sounds strange. Yeah. So I've asked more than one CPA about this. Yeah. And I've often gotten the answer um, at, at whatever level I was at the time. Right. That's bullshit. You're going to pay tax no matter what. Right. As a sole proprietor, do you pay some social security tax, some self-employment tax? Yes, you do. Yeah. But you're still going to incur other taxes as this other corporation. Yep. So I guess what I'm trying to say is like, there's this myth out there that corporations are perfect entities that are left alone. Right. But that's not really true at different levels of income, right? No, to, yeah, totally, totally true. You know, yeah, okay. some of it comes down to how much complexity do we want to add? You know, are there times when maybe I could make something work? Like on paper, yeah, you're saving money doing A, B, and C. Yeah. But man, you're adding all these layers of complexity and reporting and these sorts of things. Is that what you want for your life? Where are you headed? Right. Are we are we octupling our income in the next couple of years? Well, then maybe it's a different story. Okay. But if this is just what I'm doing, you know, uh, you know, let's just let's let's stay the course here. So I'm I'm less eager to just tell 
help people to jump into things that are that are more complicated, even if on paper maybe you can save some tax. Okay. And sometimes you can't, right? There, I, I, sure. I agree with you. There is a myth out there. Oh no, no, it's it's all in the it's a business write off, or oh, it's a, so there's nothing. You know, I will say with with almost no exceptions, there are very few things you can write off, say in an S corporation, that you can't write off as a sole proprietor or in a C corporation. A write off. That's the advice I was given. A business yeah. write off is a business write off. Yeah. There are some kind of weird exceptions, right? But yeah. those are those are the fringes of the rules. Sure. There are other reasons to do it, and there are definitely good reasons to do it. And, and oftentimes we do have folks in an entity. And then there's also, I, I won't get into legal because that's not what my license is for, but there's also legal protection side of it. Yes. That is a consideration. We bring in a lawyer and you talk about, you know, what does that look like? And so that's good to know, too. Yeah. Just, I'm glad that you're making that distinction for folks. Because, by the way, the sole proprietor thing, that's very few of our listeners. Maybe if you're going to open a homebrew shop or something, right. you might fall into that bucket. For you brewery owners, you're going to end up in one of these corporation types. Um, right. But, yeah, it's great to know that you're considering tax implications and legal protection. Right. Right. And so yeah. that stuff's separate but important. Se- separate but important. And then yeah. just lifestyle. Like how many, you know, how many, for some folks, it's just, it's just too tough of a putt to wrap your head around all this. Like, I don't totally. know, I got the money. This, I'm the business. The business is me. What do we do here? You know? Yeah. So, and, and, and particularly, you know, probably the most, one of the most difficult things for, for folks to understand when they have a what, what's called a pass-through entity. So that's going to be a partnership or S-corporation, which 90% of the, of the breweries that we work with are going to be one of those two. Okay. Um, is that you're taxed on the profit of the business, not on the cash that you take out of the business. Okay. And that's a really tough concept. You could take it out is. a million dollars and be taxed at zero or you could, or vice versa. You could be, you could take nothing out and still be taxed for a million dollars of profit. And so. Yeah. That's I, where, I learned <clears throat> that sort of early on too, okay. where I, 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 I used to pat myself on the back like, I don't take any money out of the business. I, right. just, I leave it in there, right? Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. and then I thought, yeah, well, that's good. Now you got a healthy bank account, yeah, yeah. and you didn't. You're not going to pay taxes because yeah. you didn't take it. No, I didn't take it. It's not and my it, problem. Like, yeah. First CV is like. Yeah. You probably should have taken it because you're going to pay for it now. Yeah, you're paying, you're paying either way, man. <laughs> so, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, and that's where, you know, your relationship with your CPA really ought to be one where you're sitting down at least once during the year, maybe multiple times, but during the tax year, right? So I've, I've just brought in all my clients. We've talked, we've done year-end tax planning. Some of them we do mid-year. Some of them we meet more regularly than that. And that's the idea. Let's sit down. Let's t- talk about entity structure, but then we talk about the other stuff too. Yeah. So at a minimum, you know, our folks are known in October, November. Here's what I think you're going to owe in April. But ideally, hey, here are the moves we're going to make during the year. The stuff we're going to do, we're going to bonus out your employees or we're going to, you know, fund a pension or, you know, you need to buy another tank or whatever it is. Right. We make sure we, we, we've got the, the things in place to take these credits during the year, right? And so that's that's where, you know, a lot of the value add comes in. So that that's a case where, where after sitting down with you or their CPA, they right. might decide to spend the cash on a tank in December sure. or January? Sure. Yeah, totally. Because yeah. it de- so yeah. if you if you made a bunch of money in 2023, yeah. you might buy it in December yeah, 2023, do, we, right? Totally, yeah. But if you didn't, yeah. and you're projected to make money next year, right. buy it in January. Hey, is, it gonna, is next year looking better? Yeah, Some let's, simple let's, stuff let's there. sit tight there. Or, hey, man, we had a loss this year. What else? Well, maybe there's something else we could do. You know, on the personal side, you're a pass-through entity. We've got a loss coming through. Maybe we convert some of your funds into a Roth. Those These sort of things. And we won't get into the details of that. But, sure. you know, there's just stuff you want to be paying attention to and thinking about. And it needs to be done, you know, during the year. Yeah. Okay. All right. What's next? What else do we have on here? What's next? What else do we have? Well, I had a couple of just, you know, kind of, again, some low-hanging fruit. You know, when when we bring in a new client, typically the first thing we do is ask for their tax returns. And so it's like, what are some of the things that we see are missing? Mm -hmm. And obviously there's, you know, there's a couple of things about, you know, who you're working with. First of all, is it it a personality fit? Mm -hmm. Secondly, 
uh, you know, do you, do you, and, and some of that is, do you, do you trust them? Do you think they're competent? Do they have your best interests in mind? Can they explain right. things in a way that you understand rather than, you know, talking over your head or just telling you, oh, don't worry about it. It's fine. We got to handle, you know, that kind of stuff. And some, for some people, that's what they want. Yeah. I got, I got you. Okay, cool. I'm good. So, right. Um, but you know, other people want to know more. So you, there's got to be that personality fit. Um, and, and you know, are you, are you meeting and doing the planning? But then, you know, Beyond that, assuming the basics are correct, right? We don't, and you'd be surprised how many times we see just egregiously, this is just wrong. If you okay. get audited, this is going to be a problem, right. you know, or, or this is just wrong and it costs you a lot of money. Let's fix it. You know, those, those sort of things. There's okay. some other things we see, see, uh, you know, particularly as it pertains to breweries. So we talked about the ERC credit. Yeah. Um, that, that was, that was excellent. We've talked about entity selection and how that can matter, um, you know, something we do for, for many of our breweries is the research and development credit. Okay, so, let's talk about that. Yeah, so we, t- we take a look at that. And, and really, that's a credit. What I like about some of these credits is, you know, rather than going out and, say, spending money, buying a new tank or bonusing your employees, which is a, are good things to do, I always like to tell people, though, you know, don't let the tax tail wag the investment dog. Best case scenario, we're saving 50 cents on the dollar here if you're in a really high tax bracket. So more likely it's, you know, you're going to save, you're going to spend a dollar to save 30 cents in tax. Okay. Now, if you need it and you're investing in your business and you're taking care of your employees, these are all great things. Yeah. Um, but, but some of these other credits, it's like, Hey, this is, this is a credit for money. You're already spending things you're already doing. Okay. Let's go ahead and take that. And then, and then you're able to take advantage of it. Right. So, so the research and development credit, you know, at, at it's complex and it's getting more complex, okay. but at its core, it's essentially, are you spending money? Are you, are you taking the economic risk to develop something to bring to the marketplace that doesn't already exist? So it has to be something new. New to you. New. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So if you're trying to figure out how to, you know, reverse engineer something that technically could count. I don't think we're doing a lot of that. Right. But yeah, yeah. you know, so we have some barrel programs, it, you know, in my opinion, I'll throw it out there that I don't think recipe formulation on its own is enough. So just coming out with a new beer, okay. you know, another hazy, I don't, you know, that's not going to be good, but we've got seller programs. Maybe we have, uh, we're working on how do we ex- uh, increase our extract efficiencies. We're experimenting with different hop varietals, these sort of things. Okay. You know, there's some credits that go into that. The laws got more complicated this last year. And so there's something now called the section 174 adjustment where we actually have to take those expenses and amortize them over five years. Okay. So you don't get to deduct them all in the current year. You get the credit in the current year, but then the expenses go are, are over a couple of years. I see. That, so that's a little bit punitive. Uh, you know, we're hopeful that, that there's there's some bills to kind of make that go away, but that's been a little bit punitive. Um, so just something, you know, it just is going to require some planning. And and okay. frankly, whether you take the R&D credit or not, if you have R&D, you're supposed to do the five-year deal. So Okay. Let's hone in on experimental hops okay. to, uh, it, with, as it pertains to R&D credit. Let's sure. use that as an example okay. because almost every brewer I talk yeah. to at some point yeah. during the year, and, and more so nowadays, are, are either dealing with a new hop variety right. or increasingly now new hop formats too, oh, totally. right? Yeah. Extracts Cryo and things like and that. Extracts, yeah, so that. I don't know. An example, I'm, I'm going to use this new hop extract. I'm trying yep. it. Is my entire batch of beer that I brew with that and all of its ingredients fall under this R&D tax credit, for example, or maybe just that product that I bought? Good, good question. Okay, it's gonna so it's gonna depend. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna equivocate here. Cool. And well, and the maybe answer, change the question yeah, to a real the answer, world example. No, too, no, that's I mean. that's great. Yeah, the, the answer is you know in that case it's gonna depend. And you're, we're gonna have to dig into it a little bit. Yeah. Where I look at the R and D credit, you know, and and we we talk about it with our folks is really, uh, are you applying the scientific method? That's a good start. So hypothesis, okay. test, result. Yeah. Right. And am I am I am I incurring the economic risk 
of of doing that right okay if we're if we're developing a batch and then that batch goes into our full production facility and it's out the door and there may be a component there that's that's going to be r&d um, but then you know there's going to be some of it hey it's out the door and it worked out and so so that's great but if we're experimenting with you know hey we always want to hit you know 34.8 ibu in this beer after you know the 60 well nobody's doing does a 60 minute anymore but you know right, whatever right. it is right and we're trying that and we're doing some experimentation you know the material cost is one thing and so okay. the new hops and things is is something and you know if you were breeding hops or something like that then then that would be. be more significant what's going to be more significant is the time of the people that you're paying to do it okay and so that's really what it comes down to so when we look at it we're really breaking down okay we got a head brewer we have a, a head seller person we have all the you know this kind of stuff we have the owner they're involved what amount of their time is spent in this kind of world and then we take that <clears throat> typically okay. that's going to be our highest also are you paying an independent lab do you have an in-house lab? Do you have, you know, you have a lab person. We're trying to improve processes, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. Some of that there. So really, we I, we fall back to you know scientific method, that 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 sort of thing. Okay, that makes sense. And is there a cap on on this this credit? Uh, not meaningfully for, no, okay. for us. Yeah. Got yeah. It. And the other thing to, to keep in mind is, you know, for if you're a new, new brewery, so within the first, a new business, any, this is any business within the first five years, you can actually, there are ways we can take the credit and use it against our payroll taxes. Okay. So it could be, you know, we're in that growth phase. We're in that startup phase. We're not making any money. That's nice. We're generating this credit. What are we going to do with it? Right. Well, actually we can, we can offset our payroll taxes and that's real cash flow today. Right. You know? So that's a meaningful thing for some of our clients. Okay. Sounds like an important one for breweries. Yeah, 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 and it's not you know it's not huge for a lot of breweries. Some breweries it's it's mean it's large, and others it's it's not as big. Okay, um, it just depends. You know, we've got a production brewery, you've got some flagship beers. There's probably not going to be a lot there, but there can still be some. Okay, but it, but but the the bottom line is we got to be looking at it, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. especially if you're investing in it, right? So yeah, 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 totally. Okay, all right. What about assembly bill? What is it? One fifty? Yeah, you want to talk about that? Yeah, so that's state of California specific. So, okay. So if you're uh, if you're not in California, actually keep paying attention because there's a very good chance it it, it applies in your state as well. Okay. So functionally, what this is. Uh, if you have a pastor entity, so we talked about those S corporation partnership, those sorts of things. Yeah. In 2017, as part of kind of the Trump tax bill back in the day, if you look on your personal tax return your Schedule A itemized deductions, the so-called SALT taxes, state and local income taxes. Okay. So that's basically California income tax, property taxes, potentially sales tax. They cap that right off at $10,000. Okay. So for people making real money or own a house in California, you're hitting the cap pretty pretty quickly, right? Sure. And so you just lost the whole rest of that deduction. Well, AB 150, what's called the Pastor Entity Elective Tax Credit, mm-hmm. came through uh, a couple years, couple years ago now. Okay. Um, and, and what it is, is it's, it's a workaround for this. And so essentially we're able to leverage the fact that we've got this business. Mm-hmm. We can, we can make an election to pay the state income tax at the entity level, which normally <clears throat> we wouldn't pay. There's a small tax if you're an escort, but normally you don't pay anything in an, in a pastor entity. Okay. We make an election to pay the tax in that we get an unlimited deduction. So, you know, uh. We make a million. We have a million dollars in profit in our brewery. Yeah. We we can we we are going to make a ninety three thousand dollar pastor entity elective tax payment, but we're going to get a ninety three thousand dollar federal deduction. Okay. In addition, that credit is going to pass through to each of the each of the individuals who participate based on their ownership percentage. Okay. To offset their California state income tax. Got it. The the, the IRS has given this, this the seal of approval because it's kind of like it's a, t- t- a totally workaround. You're just thumbing you know thumbing the nose. It also up. sounds like you, but it also just sounds logical that then you're just not being double taxed though. Am I understanding that right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. well, normally you wouldn't pay any tax at that level. So you're uh, elected. Okay, that's... In California, it's a fixed 9.3% of whatever the profit in the company is. Yeah, okay. 
California profit. And so it's just, hey, I'll, hey, California, we're going to pay you this through the, through the entity. We're, and then they're, they're coming back and saying, we're going to give you a credit equal to that amount. Got and it. now we've worked around this ten per, this $10,000 cap. Or if you if you take the standard deduction, even the 10000 cap is irrelevant, right? So right. it's a cool deal. It's in place as long as, as, as the, the SALT cap is in place. Okay. Right now, that is actually set to expire in, in 2025, 2026. I see. Um, but you know, who knows what the next laws will be. I don't think everything, theoretically, everything's going to expire and just go back to what the tax laws were back in 2016. <laughs> right. I don't th- see that happening. So <laughs> right. we'll be under some new set of rules, right? Okay. And, and so we'll see. About half the states in the in the country, so probably the ones in the higher tax brackets, have enacted a program like this. So okay. if you're in California, you definitely want to do AB 150. If you have profit in the, in the business, you know, we want to take that. If you're in another state, you know, check into it, whether or not you qualify. We've got folks in other states who we are taking advantage of it for. Okay. Uh, most other states are lower tax brackets than California. So the, sure. the numbers are smaller, but it's still meaningful. Okay. So ask your CPA about that one. Yep. Even they yep. might be see this this happens all the time with me and you guys and Mun. Right. Is I ask you about this stuff and you're like, Yeah, Justin, we already did that. Yeah, we, we took care of it for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, well, okay, and cool. this one, you know, California's an interesting obviously, you know, people like to 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 uh bash on California for being a bit say that's hard to do business in and things like that. Yeah. And there are definitely some 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 challenges to it. Um, but there are a lot of programs like this one that, you know, you gotta jump through hoops. There's other stuff. There's training grants and there's there's other stuff out there. If you jump through the right hoops, there's R and D credit. California does R and D credit as well. Yeah. You know, if you jump through the right hoops, you can actually be in okay shape in Cal- right. you know, as a business owner here in California. There's other liability with employees and all that kind of stuff. You know, of course. It's, it's, it's 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 all challenging. Yeah. But you know, when you, when you do this kind of stuff. So with this credit, to be clear, if you haven't taken advantage of it for this year, it's too late. Okay. So the way it works again, silly hoops to jump through. Essentially there's a minimum you have to send in by June 15th. Okay. And then the rest of you want to get it sent in by the end of the year. So it is too late for, for this year, but it's something we want to be thinking about now for 2024. Okay. We can absolutely take advantage of it. Got it. All right. And then the last one I have on my list, although you might have a bigger list than me, is the tip credit. Yeah. What is the tip credit? Yeah, so that's a federal credit. Okay. And functionally, it's a credit that every every owner who... Let's take a step back. Anybody who uh, has a restaurant or a bar has tipped employees okay. um, in kind of in, in hospitality industry. Yeah. Um, you know, years the, and, the argument now is that everybody on earth is a tipped somebody, right? Isn't that the, the tip? <laughs> yeah, t- yeah, yeah. If you read yeah, the news right yeah. now, apparently everybody yep, gets everybody tips. Everybody gets tips. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Go on. Well, that's actually why I specify because, so like a hairdresser, some something. If you that that doesn't qualify, but it's so it's hospitality only. Okay. Um, th- this credit, but essentially, years ago, and this is gosh, 15, maybe 20 years ago, um, the IRS kind of went looking around and said, hey, you know, tips are supposed to be taxable income, but we got all these servers and bartenders that they're not reporting it. And we know that. And, and we, we can't, can't fix that. We can't go after them. We can't fix that. What are we going to do? We're going to go after the business owners. So we're going to say, hey, now business owner, it's now your responsibility to make sure this is getting reported. Right. In order to incentivize that to work a little bit and also make sure that, because there's payroll taxes that are being missed, right? Yeah. And then make sure it's equitable, there's a credit that's associated with that. And functionally what the credit is, is every time you report the, your employees' tips, it, go, it shows up on their payroll and a little bit of payroll taxes gets taken out. Yeah. This is not money you paid your employees. You are not liable for the employer portion of those payroll taxes. Okay. And so therefore you get a credit equal to that amount. So I look at it as with our employee, you know, with our, with our, um, it, with our clients who, you know, are, are paying payroll every two weeks or whatever. Um, you know, you're making a very small estimated tax payment every two weeks, yeah. every time you run your payroll, you know, honestly, we, when we review tax returns 50% of the time, maybe less than 50, but sometimes it feels like 50 sometimes that's being missed. And so that's wow. thousands of dollars that are, that are getting, you know, flushed down the toilet yeah. that people just don't realize 
again, money you're already spending. It's right there. It's just sitting, it's sitting there waiting for you. Right. And let, let's go and get it. There's some limitations uh, about when you can use it and things like that, but it carries forward. If you don't use it, it, it accumulates all these credits. R&D does all these credits accumulate and carry forward Got it. in general um, with some limitations. Uh, and so, you know, you want to take advantage of them. So you found some where they maybe hadn't been doing that for years oh, totally, and yeah. you're, you're able to go back and collect. Yeah. Well, yeah. federally, you can go back three years and amend. Three, and so we'll okay. go back and amend and, and, you know, we get some, we get some nice checks back. It's a great way to, you know, to, to, you know, help, help, help a business owner out. Yeah. yeah. It, it does make sense. So I've been in this business uh, for a long time. Most of my life I've worked in hospitality. Yeah. And so there, what I can remember the time when employers switched to some of my tips are going to yeah. be on my paycheck or yep. at least totally, claim yep. there. Yep. And it clearly was right around this time yeah, yeah, yeah. when the IRS said, no, you guys yep. are going to have to figure this out. Yep. Yeah. When I was in college, I did some, you know, some food service industry jobs. And I remember, <laughs> you know, can't you kind of get trained by the other, by the other, you know, the other <laughs> servers are like, Okay, so at the end of the night, you go clock out, and they're going to ask you how much cash tips you got, yeah. and you always say zero. I'm like, but why? How just, can I do that? Just trust yeah. me, it's zero. They they got the credit cards. You're fine, <laughs> right? Okay, and that you know that's that's what it was about. So yeah. obviously, you know, um, yeah, you you want your employees to be re- reporting all of it, but of course, regardless, yeah. you know, you're paying some payroll taxes on that that you shouldn't be, and so let's make sure we go back and take 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 get credit for that. Got it. Okay, that's a good one to ask your CPA about too. Absolutely. All right. Anything else we want to be aware of when we're worried about taxes? You know, those those are the biggies. There's okay. there's a lot of stuff out there, but 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 those were the biggies. You know, we've got some folks um, when when we when we think about buying new equipment or investing in you know TIs and things like that. You know, a lot of folk, a, a lot of clients are are taking advantage of, of bonus depreciation or the special depreciation allowance. That's reducing every year from here on out, and so it's just something to be aware of that. Okay. You know. With equipment, tanks, things like that, we can t- still take what's called Section 179. And so really, if you're buying a piece of equipment, likely if you have profit, we're going to be able to write off most of that in the year of. Uh, bonus depreciation rules are a little bit different. And so you, sometimes you could write off more than you could otherwise. That's starting to reduce. So it's just something to be, you want to have the conversation before you go out and buy something, assuming I'm going to be able to write this all off a new van right. or or, uh, or something like that, or we're going to do a big build out. Um, you just want to make sure you have that conversation. So okay. you know, rules are constantly changing. We're actually in a little bit more stable period. The COVID years, of course, were ridiculous for how much the rules were changing constantly. Yeah. We've hit some stability, but as I mentioned, you know, most of these tax laws are set to expire here in a couple of years. So sure. we're going to be seeing some big changes again. So that was kind of a, a sort of a final question I had for oh, you yeah. at, about your profession as a CPA. Yeah. So my dentist, who everybody knows, he's from the show, Doc, <laughs> uh, as a doctor, as a medical professional, he yeah. has to go to a certain amount of hours of training every year yeah. to stay up on, on what's new. Yeah. Well, tax law is insanity. The, the, yeah. the size of that book, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, not a book, it's a room. It's a yeah. room, right? What <laughs> yeah. do you have to do as a, as yeah. a professional to stay on top of things? Yeah. Is yeah. it self-guided? Do you just have, You know, I get a newsletter. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But are there rules? I like meditate you have to go to, no. Yeah, bet. no, absolutely there are rules. Yeah, so we're, we're required to do, uh, actually it's 80 hours of continuing education every two years. Every two years, okay. So it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty significant. And but even that's probably not enough for your job because y- you want to stay on top of things even more than that. Yeah, like I'm going to fire you if you miss the R&D credit. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Right, yeah. so. Yep, yeah, no, there's 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 a lot out there. And, um, you know, it's funny, right before kind of, um, 
uh, right before COVID happened, I was kind of reflecting on the profession. And, you know, one of the things I was, you know, I'm really grateful I'm in a profession where things are constantly changing and updating and things like that. Cause there are other, you know, other professions can be a little more stagnant. Yeah. Although if you're really into anything, obviously, you know, there's always updates, but yeah, you know, I was like, I, I was like that. And then COVID hit and you're like, I'm so tired. Of, <laughs> I'm, you know, I've learned so many and forgotten so many rules for these little things that popped up and then died. And then, you know, and, uh, or, or even just bills that were proposed. Here's how PPPs. I mean, the initial PPP proposals relative to what we actually landed on. Right. Totally different. Same with ERC, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean, there's a constant amount of, 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 of continuing education that goes on sure. with myself. And then, you know, we've got staff and so we're constantly training them and there's a whole process for bringing people up, teaching them how to do what we do and, right. and a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. So it's, you okay. know, we try to make it feel and look pretty automatic, but there's, it's, it's a heavy lift. And then like, do you have access to more resources than me? So if I ask you kind of a question you don't know, yeah. are you and your staff just Googling it like I'm going to do? Or is, there like, <laughs> or is there like a place that only CPAs can yeah. call? Well, oh, well, I mean, you, you could have access to, yeah, we have research softwares. Yeah, for sure. So you do. You okay. could have access to them too, but you're not going to pay for it. But, right. um, and okay. it's, it is, you know, there's a lot of training that goes into just learning how to, you know, how to, you know, navigate, you know, we've got the tax code. In our case, we've got the tax code. Then you have the regs on top of that. Then you have um, court cases on top of that, okay. you, you know, then you have IRS notices, like there's all these layers, right? And, uh, you know, as you, as you know, it's very complex. So yeah, there's a lot that goes into some of these decisions okay. and some of the, you know, the, some of the stuff behind the scenes for sure. But you're getting, you're probably getting alerts that like you said, no, yeah, like alerts and notices pretty constantly. And, oh, yeah, like, I mean, we get daily updates on stuff and then, you okay. know, weekly and things like that. And like I said, you know, we, we do, we're doing very regular continuing education as well. Okay. Yeah. And then you've mentioned it in this interview, but I've also heard it on the news a bunch. Yeah. So Trump made a bunch of tax changes that are going to expire. Yeah. Like what, what is yeah. that? And when is Technically, that? Technically, he didn't make them. You know, Congress did when he was. But, you know, which it's, is what it I was, thought. Yeah yeah. 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 But yeah. Call it whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they expire. Yes. Do all tax changes expire? I, mean, I know it's no, probably a complicated the reason, question. Yeah, no, it's a good question. The reason that these ones expire is basically comes down to budget. Okay. And essentially, in order to get the the in order to, to get a new budget to pass, which includes the tax provisions, okay, you have to meet certain um, deficit thresholds. Okay. And in this case, everything's always actuarial over ten or twenty years or whatever it is. And in this case, in order to make because because they significantly cut corporate tax rates, they yeah. implemented something called the uh, uh, Section one ninety nine A deduction, which is significant for all of our for all of our clients. We, you know, I'm assuming everyone's taking advantage of that, but you should be, right? These sort of things. So they significantly cut those rates. Okay. Because they cut rev tax revenue so much, they had to figure out something to be able to get this squeezed through. That salt limitation is part of it. Well, we're going to cap everybody's, you know, salt deduction and that's going to increase revenues on, you know, this segment of the population. They're going to increase their tax bills by, by X. Okay. By and large, most of our clients were, were better off after this, even though some of the stuff sounded not so good. Yeah. They cut in individual, the top individual rate as well. They changed the state tax limits, all sorts of stuff. Well, in order to make that work, in order to pay for it, right, yeah. and not need, I think they otherwise they would have needed a super majority in Congress. Yeah. Uh, in order to make that work, they set an expiration date on it. Okay. But presumably, whoever is in yeah. next is going to either extend those or make yeah. new ones that work or yeah, fit. Well, I, right? My like, expectations, we'll see some sort of a hybrid of, okay, we're going to keep these things. You know, people, once you give them something, it's very hard to take it away, right? Sure. From a political standpoint, I suppose. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll see some sort of a hybrid of those sorts of things. Likely, however, you know, we, but, but I've been saying this for a while, but it seems likely that overall tax rates are going to rise. 
right? The corporate rate used to be 34% for a C corporation. They dropped it down to 21%. Uh. That's a massive cut, right? And so that's where most of it went. You know, the top rate for individuals was like 39 and a half. Now it's 36 and a half, you know, so that was smaller, but you know, some of those cuts. So we'll see some of that stuff rolled back and then we'll see other programs, you know, implemented and things like that. Got so it. it's going to be just a whole new set of rules, basically. Okay. Right. <laughs> in Which summary, keeping you, know, you employed. What, what, what we're really hoping for is that the rules are implemented in the year in which they uh, are effective, because it's happened to us multiple times in the last you know decade that I've I've really been doing this a little bit longer. But um, where they, it's like we finish playing the game. And, and then they pass the laws. And so, you know, we're projecting, okay, we think, you know, here's the law that's, you know, here's the bill that's in Congress. Here's what we're hearing is going to be passed. December 31st hits and they haven't decided. And then all of a sudden in February, we find out what the rules for the prior year. That's uh, happened multiple times. And so wow. it's, it's likely that that'll happen again. And so that's when you want somebody who's really just got their eye on their ball on the ball and saying, well, here's where we think it's going. If it doesn't, here's what'll happen. And at least you can make some informed decisions, right? Yeah. Uh, obviously we can't predict the future. And what I've seen time and time again is that, you know, the bills that we see proposed by the time it actually becomes law on the president's desk are so different. It is difficult to kind of say, okay, it's, it's through the house. Sure. We kind of know what it is. Uh, but you know, you, you gotta, you gotta just be paying attention and be working with people who are paying attention to stuff like that. Well, and you guys were always great about that too. And in fact, you. You, I remember this, the very words you just said, you've said to me on, on multiple occasions, like, Hey, we don't, it had a lot to do with PPP and all those sure. changes. You, you would uh, kind of constantly say like, look, I'm not telling you this is set in stone, but this is where we see it going. Right. And it did allow me to make some informed decisions, even trusting right. like, okay, this might change. It but, may not work, but here's, here's yeah. the best we know today. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, Lou. Well, thank you so much for coming yeah, on. Yeah, man. Thanks I, for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, do you want to give out your email? You want people to reach out to you? Yeah, it'd be totally fine. Yeah, yeah. All right, go so ahead. So it's lpc at m-u-n-c-p-a-s, okay. muncpas.com. Feel free to reach out if you have any questions or, uh, yeah, just want to, yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, fact check me. Talk beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Send me some beer. That's good, too. All right. Yep. Well, I know some other breweries that you work with. Everybody's a big fan, uh, and I am, too. So thanks again for yeah. sharing the knowledge. Thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, okay, so from one dummy to hopefully not a bunch of dummies listening, get a good CPA. So you'll, it'll, <laughs> and a good bookkeeper, by the way. And yep. sometimes they can act as the same entity, the same organization. Yep. Um, but, yeah, if, just because you can do it yourself doesn't mean you should especially right now. Well, thanks for tuning in with us. I appreciate it. Thanks to all of our sponsors. Hey, don't forget about the 21st Amendment. They've got their new Fireside Chat Winter Ale out right now. Go to 21st-amendment.com and check it out. Um, Yeah. Visit all our sponsors. They love you. And so do I. All right, everybody. Take care of yourselves and your beer. The Session is a production of The Brewing Network and brought to you by More Beer. Check them out at morebeer.com. Find more content and live video of this show on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash brewingnetwork. For sponsorship opportunities and information, please reach out to advertising at thebrewingnetwork.com. To reach our hosts, contact feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. Brewing Network.